Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Take your liberty, my brother. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Borderlong. Good evening and praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just do that? Give Jesus a standing ovation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I was glad when they said unto me, go to Center Point. Have church on a Wednesday night. Praise God. I just, I thank the Lord for loving on us and blessing us. Praise God. And I thank him for his, his nearness last week. He just met with us and I... I never want to take for granted that, that it's not just me and you that go to church, but he said we're two or three together. Together, I'll show up. I'll be in the midst of them. And amen. Amen. I'm so, so, so grateful for that. Honored to be with Pastor and Sister Beard and, and appreciate you all and your spirit so much and to be with Brother and Sister Bordelon and just be with all of you. So great. And then I had to grant a little bit. I come, you know, from, we live in the middle of Alexandria, and uh, so just 30, 35 minutes, and come out here into Center Point, Louisiana to see old friends from Bastrop and, and uh, Opelousas, and that's just interesting to me. Amen, but Sister Jessica and Brother Byron's family, and, and uh, so you never know who you're gonna see when you go to church in Louisiana. Praise God. I love, I love Pentecostal connections and a lot of great, great memories. Well, I got my boy with me tonight. Brother Creed is with us, and uh, he said he, he feels like he'd like to testify. So is that all right? If, y'all may be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated if you'd like. All right, welcome. I'm glad to be here today. If you don't know my name, my name is Creed. And today I'm going to be testifying the curse that God took for us. So in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden. And the devil came in and tempted them, and they sinned against God. But if God is God, I know some of y'all may think this, some some of y'all may not. If God is God, why would he allow the devil, the devil, into this perfectly fine, peaceful place? It's It's because God wanted to test Adam and Eve against sin and God. And today, we have that same choice. Every single day of our lives, we have that same exact choice that Adam and Eve have. And so when they sinned, God cursed the whole entire earth. Animals didn't like each other now. They all attacked each other. They attacked humans. And one of those curses was that thorns and stickers came on this earth. And when God died for us on the cross, they put the crown of thorns on his head. So he took the curse for us so we didn't have to. That should have been us that had that crown of thorns on our head. That should have been us on that cross. But you know what? He did it for us. You know why? Because his ever so loving heart loved you so very much. I want to let my dad preach now. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. I, I tell folks, hey, my little buddy loves to testify. And I've never given him a testimony yet. He can't, he, 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 um, he'll come to me and say, Dad, I feel like the Lord gave me something I want to share. And I'll have him tell it to me. And we may talk about it a little bit. Amen. And, and, uh, but I've never given him a testimony yet. But I call it a Samuel heart. I don't think any of our, young, our children are too young to have a Samuel heart where they want to hear from God and want to learn about the things of God. Amen. And I'll never call anybody to preach. I'll never call him to preach. That's God's business. But I will tell you this. I'm going to encourage that Samuel heart that says, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Hallelujah. The only time I questioned it, his Samuel heart for the Lord that hears the Lord speak, and he may have still been right. But we were deer hunting last year, and he said, Daddy, I feel like the Lord spoke to me. There's a monster buck right in the woods right over there. But it didn't step out. So maybe, maybe we needed to have angels push that thing out in the trail or something. But, but I thank God. Our, our children can hear from God, and God can move, move in their lives. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Again, just such an honor to be with you all. And uh, so, so gracious, so thankful so kind uh, of you all, and I am very grateful for the opportunity. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Last week in the message, I, I simply referenced the phrase, rest unto your souls. You may remember that, that there's rest, and then Jesus said, there's rest unto your souls. And when I mentioned that phrase, I felt the Lord direct me uh, to minister um, message from that setting tonight. So Jesus speaking in, in this scripture setting said, come unto me, all ye that labor. No, I just did a little, little word study on a few of the words. So I'm just going to throw in some of the word study as we're reading. So Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor who work to exhaustion and are heavy laden, overburdened. Somebody say that with me, overburdened. That means you're not just burdened, you're overburdened. And I will give you rest. Then Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and I was astounded looking into this simple word easy at all the words that were within that, that word. Listen at this, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, better, it's good, it's gracious, it's kind, it's comfortable, it's pleasant. I know that's a lot of words for one word easy, but take that up with those word study guys. But that's a lot. He said, what I have to offer is better. It's gracious, it's kind, it's comfortable, it's pleasant. And my burden is light. His yoke is easy, he said. And his burden is light. That's a different concept than what I think of when I think of the word yoke or burden. I don't think easy or light. But Jesus said his was. So we're going to minister tonight from this text, and I want to minister on the subject, you are not alone. Would you say that with me, first person? I am not alone. Let's say that again. I am not alone. Amen. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the message that you put in our heart tonight. And God, I'm praying it touches the heart of the hearer, Lord. I'm praying the intimate, powerful presence, your spirit, your operation comes into this house. Let your word speak. Let your word move. Amen. Let your word speak. Let your spirit operate in this place in Jesus' name. God bless. And you may be seated. 
So today, tonight, we will discuss for a little bit just the concept of burdens and of being overburdened, and we will talk about weights that we carry in our lives, and then we will talk about the concept of a yoke, and more specifically, Jesus' yoke, and exactly what that may entail. Now, I've decided a long time ago, I'm only gonna carry what God wants me to carry. The devil's pretty good at trying to pile on, and if we're honest, we're pretty good at piling on sometimes, and life just piles on, but I'm not, I'm not gonna carry it if God doesn't want me to carry it. I've tried to learn, but I also have learned in living for God, you're still going to carry some things. It's just he's given us provision for how you carry those burdens. I'm going to keep preaching deliverance all my life, but God doesn't deliver us from everything. We'll never be fully burden-free. We'll never be free from the weights of life and the journey of life, but he said, I've given you provision on how to navigate and how to carry. So I'm only gonna carry what God wants me to carry. And number two, I'm only gonna carry it how God wants me to carry it. Now I, I felt to share driving over this evening, um, meditate, and I, I just felt to share the origin of this message. And many times a preacher will preach a message and, and many times I will preach a message and, um, and you just preach it because it, God put it on your heart and, and you share. But, but, but sometimes I like to go back and just share the origin, especially in, in this case. And I won't go into many details, but many of you are aware that in, in 2017, I nearly lost my life from West Nile virus and then uh, Guillain-Barre, uh, uh, just an immune disorder, and then a blood clot to my lungs. I was in the hospital for three months in 2000, I'm sorry, 2000, I may have said the wrong year, 2000, no, 2017, and then 2019, tragically, after a challenging journey, um, we tragically lost my wife, and I became a single parent, dad, two teenage daughters, and my creed man. And the weight was overwhelming at times. And God, over the next few months of just crying out to him, having come through my health journey, just recovering from that, and then into a, another challenging situation in our home, and then the, the tragedy that unfolded, trusting God, but a tragedy that unfolded. There were over the next few months, three specific words that God gave me that were direct results of prayer, repetitive prayer. And in other words, praying the same thing over and over, saying God, and, 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 and I will share those prayers briefly, but one of those prayers was simply, God, what do I do with this pain? What do you do with broken dreams? And I just kept bringing that to the Lord and he answered me and it became an answer for me that later became a message that when God puts it on my heart, I will share with churches. Another, um, another you know, prayer is, is this one. And I simply prayed over and over, God, how do I even make it? Trying to navigate my grief, the grief of three children, navigating life, called to ministry, just life doesn't stop when things happen. You have to go on. So how do I even make it? And I brought that to the Lord consistently. And his answer was for me and it carried me and it blessed me. But over time, God dealt with me when I put it on your heart. You preach this to my people because it's not just for you. It's going to help my people. How do I even make it sometimes with the burden or the weights of life? So I preach tonight what God gave me as the answer, Brother Byron, to how do I even make it in this place in our 
journey. Now, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are working to exhaustion. Anybody relate? Or who are overburdened. And I will give you rest. Let's talk about our, our weights and life and our, our life burdens for a little while. And have you ever considered just not only in the spiritual or in life, what we would call burdens, but I mean, we can collect some serious burdens and it kind of mirrors as humans in life, we can collect some serious, I'll just call it stuff, things. Let me share it. When we moved to Colorado, I pastored there for nearly eight years. We discovered something that you and I don't get to enjoy here in Louisiana, and that's something called basements. If your house is 1,800 square feet in Colorado, your basement, well, I didn't know what was happening there for a second. There's echo in here. Anybody hear that? They'll take care of that in just a moment. Maybe we're time traveling and we're over the Grand Canyon right now or so. We love you, brother, sound man and media man, and we pray anointing to you. Thanks for all that you do. It's not his fault. They're just trying to help take care of it. We'll give them a moment. We'll see. If not, I'll put the mic down or I'll preach with an echo. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's an echo in here. All right, is it? Can y'all handle it? Is it good? All right, let's just keep going. We'll see what happens here. So Colorado, we, we had basements. And usually whatever the size of the house, the basement was pretty close. And in most cases, it was called, if I remember correctly, it was it was unfinished basement. It was started like you had concrete and you, you had plumbing roughed in in case you chose to put in a bathroom. You had some electrical. But, but you know what? For the most part, we discovered was that it was free storage. And that was awesome because in Louisiana, let me just see if I'm preaching to the right people tonight. Louisiana, we don't have 1,800 square foot free storage downstairs. So what do we do? We put it under the bed. We put it in the garage. We build a shop outside and we put plywood up in the attic. Am I talking to anybody? What do we need all that for? Our stuff. Well, if we go camping again, if we go hunting and we got this, well, I need those old books. And, and I remember one time I was moving and, and some friends were helping me and they're like, Brother Greg, we got it. I said, well, I don't think so. They said, oh, no, the house is empty. I said, but did you go up the, the stairs and look in the attic? They didn't know. I had put every, every book I ever had was in boxes in the attic. It was, it was like a whole library. I don't think they cursed, but they almost lost their Holy Ghost because they thought we were finished. But I had more stuff. Some of y'all don't even know you have a garage. You park in the driveway, but you have a garage. Some of y'all ain't never, you hadn't seen what, what the inside of your trunk looks like empty. Well, let me just take it one step further. I would, I would dare to say, and I can say this without feeling judgmental because I did it for three years. Some of y'all not only have under your bed, in your garage, in your shop, in your attic, in your trunk, but you're paying somebody so many dollars a month down the road to keep more of your stuff in storage. I did that because we collect stuff. You know what we found out was easy in Colorado? 
I mean, we still gave away some of the kids' clothes and toys or what have you, but you know what we found was easy? What would we do with this? I don't know. Just put it in the basement. And when God called us back to Louisiana, moving back from Colorado, we found out we must have did that about once a week. Because there were boxes of toys and clothes and stuff. And you know what? I think that happens in our lives sometimes. It's just easier to say, well, I don't know what to do with this pain or this challenging. I don't know what to do. This, it's just easier to put it in a box and just say, I know it's here somewhere. It's still there. You may not realize it, but it's stuff still there. You know, when you find out is when it's time to move or transition or new dimension and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, there's a whole lot of stuff still in the basement. We collect life, brings burdens. We store things. Let me go a different direction for a few minutes. I imagine being in this part of the country there's a deer hunter on every pew. I'm just guessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Almost got an owl runner right there, but we, we, got, we worship the Lord together. But we, it, it, that's okay. And so I had never deer hunted in my life. And I enjoyed squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting, but my dad wasn't a hunter. So I had never deer hunted until my mid-20s. And uh, we corrected that with this boy over here. And, and uh, he, he, he's... he's been a deer slayer since he was six years old, but, but I had never been till my mid-20s. And, um, and I was assistant pastor in the Covington, Louisiana area, and I went with some of the men from the church. And I, I got a deer, big old doe, my first day, my first hunt ever. It was awesome, and just happened to have a big old doe step out. And y'all know what I got spoiled to really, really quick? was deer sausage. So, I, mean, I mean, you just, when it's done right, there just ain't, they ain't much better. And, and uh, so, so I hunted several years and, and got one here and there. And, and, uh, and then one year, I lived right there in Alexandria and it was getting into January and I just had a tough year. Tough year. No deer, no action, little action. And and I know some, some hunt through January and into February, but I was just, you know, back Christmas time, I was ready to shift on to something else, New Year, and usually, uh, you know, revivals and things kicked in at the beginning of the year. And, but here it was, end of January, and I didn't have a deer. And so a friend invited me. He called me on a Friday evening. He said, man, you want to go with me to my camp? We're going to hunt at Buckhorn in the morning. It's up there by Tinsaw, northeast corner of the state. And I said, yeah, so I got my gear together. Went with my friend, we got to his little camp about 10.30 on Friday night, and we're walking in to hunt on Saturday morning. It was a bucks only hunt day, and, and some of you in this room, I would imagine, you've not only hunted on a lease or private land, there's, you've hunted on public land on some of our, our, our state or federal lands, and this was, this was um, one of those game reserves. And so if you've ever camped or hunted, on public land, you know, there's only so many roads you can drive your truck on. Then there's only so many trails you can ride the four-wheeler on. And then it's mostly, you walk. And so Steve and I, he was a bigger fella than me, so let me paint this picture for you. He's a bigger fella than me. We had one mile in the truck, and then where he wanted to hunt, excuse me, one mile on the four-wheeler after we parked the truck, and then he said it was gonna be another mile walking to where he had scouted this area. So we're up like at 3.34 in the morning. We're just, just trooping out there, and it was muddy. It had been raining all January. It was muddy. It was standing water in most places, and so here's two dudes on a four-wheeler, two backpacks, two climbing stands, two deer rifles, and I'm pulling this little folding cart behind me that I decided to bring in case we got one. 
Now that's a lot for one four-wheeler in the mud right there. Two dudes, two climbing stands, two backpacks, two guns, and, and me pulling this car. We got to where the four-wheeler had to park, and now we're walking for about a mile. One friend, we used to hunt at Tinsaw, and it was a mile and three quarters from the truck where we hunted there. And I remember one year I said, Joel, you going with us again this year to Tinsaw? And Joel looked back at me and he said, no, Brother Greg, I'm not going with y'all anymore. He said, I'm just, I've decided I don't hate deer that bad. <laughs> well, this kind of was one of those, I mean, we were out there. It wasn't just that it was now a mile after we parked the four-wheeler. I don't think this is an official name, but I named it Suction Mud because it was water and then it was ooey gooey and every step made a noise. Anybody ever walked in that where it kind of sucks your boot in and then when you pick it up it's that, it's that and that was our walking through the woods following a power line or something. And I promise this is the truth. Brother Steve had only scouted for one hunter and he said, we'll just find somewhere. Well, at four in the morning in the dark, how are you going to find somewhere good to hunt? So we, we've been walking and waiting in this mud, water, muck for a long time. And finally, I realized for this little stretch, I'm not, it's muddy, but I'm not walking and standing water. My brain said, we must be on a little ridge. My brain said, I imagine the deer might not want to walk in the water either. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just remember there was one tree kind of sticking out on the trail. And I remember I told Brother Steve, I said, Brother Steve, I said, I think I found the spot where I'm going to hunt. This is a little ridge. This tree's sticking out. I'm, he said, well, it's about 15 minutes to where I'm going. And my mouth said, well, you go ahead and, and I hope you have a good time and bless you. Inside, I said, I ain't taking another step in this mud. You go ahead. I'm hunting right here. I don't care if a deer ever shows up. I'm done. But then I hooked my climbing stand up to the tree. I climbed up. And I got up, and would you believe I had picked a great spot? I could see about a hundred and something yards both ways down the, the pipe power line or whatever it was. And I'm like, man, this is a, a nice spot. He had gone on further. And, and so I hunted 8, 8.30, 9, nothing. Bucks only day. Then about 9.15 or 9.30, I saw a doe cross the trail. I'm like, hmm. And so I turned that direction and was looking. And a few moments later, it wasn't the, the monster of the woods, but it was deer sausage. It was a five-pointer. And that five-pointer stepped out about 120 yards right on the trail where we had walked in. So I got him. It was a, it was a great shot. Boom. He just, he just collapsed right there in the middle of the trail in the, in the grass. But I saw him go down. I'm like, got him. And then I just sat there. I didn't get down. I didn't. And because it was already like 9.15, 9.30. Well, a little, like about 10.30, I'm still up in the tree. I know my deer's right there. Steve comes back, and he goes, I'm still up in the tree. I said, all right, I'll start getting my stuff. He said, man, I heard a shot. Did you shoot? Was that you? I was like, no, nah, man, it wasn't me. must have been another hunter close by. It wasn't me. So I climb down, get all my stuff, get my little deer cart out the woods, and we start leaving, and we almost trip over my deer that's laying in the trail. And I was like, ah, I did shoot, man. I got you. And man, we celebrated and we high-fived and, and I told him, you know, it was all that good scouting that I did and how, and I was just a great hunter at picking location. You know, I bragged on all that good stuff, you know, and, 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 and then so now we put this 155, 160 pound deer on this deer cart. The tires on that deer cart should have been on a little 10 speed bicycle. They were about this wide. Deer on a cart, backpack, 26 pound climbing stand, deer rifle, him, backpack, climbing stand, deer rifle. So then we try to bungee cord 
the climbing stands on top of the deer on the cart. And so you get in this picture, right? I saw you just got the revelation. You get in this picture. So we have all this. I mean, podunk come to town. We are tied up to, and here we are, and we start pulling. We're celebrating. This is awesome. We start pulling that deer out of the woods. The tires are sunk all the way down to the axles of that little thing. And, and folks, I promise, I thought I couldn't go another step. My back is starting to hurt. My thighs, any of y'all ever worked out in your lifetime and when your thighs, they, they just kind of turn to jello and they're like, you feel them, like you feel your heart beating through your thighs. They're going boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I felt all that. I said, Steve, I gotta take a break, I gotta stop. And I said, man, we just pulled, that was a long haul, man. You think, you think we're like a third of the way back to the four-wheeler? And Steve, he started laughing. He said, are you kidding me? He said, turn around. So I turned around, man, we pulled for a while, stopped pulling. He, he said, turn around. So I turned around. He said, you see that tree sticking out in the trail? I said, yeah. He said, that's our tree. That's the one you were hunting in. It took so long to get that deer back to the four-wheeler. Let me tell you what happened. And we called this fun. We wanted to be here. Nobody made us do this stuff. At one point, I lost my balance, and Steve lost his balance in the mud, and all of us fell in the mud. Me, Steve, the deer. It was nasty. It was so long ago, I had a flip phone. That flip phone is still buried in that mud, dedicated in the name of the Lord, never to be seen again. At one point, I'm, I try to be ethical, and I love deer sausage. I love summer sausage. I love it made in the ground meat. I, I mean, I can name you all the different ways. I love jalapeno cheese, link sausage. I, 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 got, I got my choices. But at some point, I remember going, if Steve don't tell anybody, nobody knows I killed a deer. And the coyotes, they really need to eat too. Like my brain's thinking all this stuff. But we finally made it. Finally made it to the four-wheeler. I'd like to tell you it got a whole lot better. It didn't. Finally made it back to the truck. I don't know. I don't know what time we got through skinning that deer. That was on a Saturday. I think it wasn't until the next Wednesday that I was even excited again that I got a deer. It was, that was, that was all a true story. 155 pounds added. We already were burdened. We already had a lot on us just getting there. But now, and I know I, I don't mind having a little fun telling a story, enjoying some good memories, but we were already burdened. But now we've added something to the mix. Something got added to the journey that caused burdened to become overburdened. That, come, that caused, I can maybe manage this but now I don't know how I'm gonna make it. Anybody ever had that? You were navigating, you were carrying. I know I just used a silly deer story if you please, but you were making it in life and then it can be one phone call, it can be one circumstance with the job going sideways or one notice from the doctor that this test doesn't look good and all of a sudden it's a situation that seems too much to handle that happens in our life but I want to take a few moments I may be preaching to somebody speaking to somebody here tonight that the weights of life seem overwhelming I may be speaking to somebody here tonight that the burdens just seem like too much amen but I'm here to tell you you've got a Jesus amen you've got a Jesus says that I've got a plan that the burdens never going to be too much and the weight Maybe talking to somebody that life has just given you more than we, you asked for. I mean, we realized we wanted to go deer hunting, but we didn't realize it was going to be that much. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe it was a 
your own bad choice or a weak moment that, that brought some things into your life. Maybe it was just a trial or a storm that unfolded or a breakup of the home or a season where discouraging things unfolded, but life has brought more than you feel like you can carry. Let's talk about the yoke for a little while. I'll be honest with you. Throughout my life, that's one of those scriptures when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, I never could quite figure it out. I'm like, a yoke just seems like, I mean, look at the picture. It just seems like a big, heavy, wooden object on top of the oxen. How is a yoke a good thing? It rhymes with choke. I mean, that's where my brain always went. How is that good? And even though Jesus was saying, my burden is light, Burden's not something I'm lining up, signing up, wanting more of. I want to offload burdens. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Listen to this definition, and this is what impacted my life so much. The end of this month will be four years ago, and coming out of that season, God, how... Do we even make it? A yoke is a wooden cross piece fastened over the necks of two animals, usually oxen, and attached to the plow or the cart that they are to pull. Another way to say it, a yoke is a wooden bar. So look at this with me. It's a wooden bar that connects the two beings, the two oxen. It connects them together to become as one and then it also, if you'll notice that ring, and I'll talk about it a little more in a moment, but that ring is built into every yoke because a yoke is not just built to connect the two oxen together. The yoke is also built to have a connection to the plow or to the cart that is to be pulled. That metal ring is built into every yoke because the definition is twofold. It's joining two beings together and it has an apparatus to help those two beings carry or pull whatever is to be pulled. So remember, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. The carved portion that goes over the neck of those oxen I have a yoke, uh, a church in Lake Charles has it right now, but after God gave me this understanding, I was able to get an old timey yoke that looks a lot like the one in the picture and the part that goes over the neck of the oxen is curved and carved and almost sanded or it's almost, it's not soft, but it's so smooth. In some countries, they even put um, over the neck and shoulder area of that yoke. They put sheepskin or wool so that it doesn't chafe the animal. But even without it, it's built in such a way that it doesn't cause chafing. Now, Jesus said, he said that I want you to take my yoke upon you. So the understanding that the Lord gave me that to join with him is not burdensome and to join with him or to yoke with him is his offering us. I won't be much longer, but it's his offering us to covenant or to link together with him. I want you to look with me closely at this picture for a moment. The part that comes down from the yoke and goes under the oxen's neck that's where we get the term oxbow. It's, it's the, the curved apparatus that goes under their neck. That one oxen, he's locked in and he's connected to the yoke. The other one is a few feet beside him and then he gets locked in and he's connected to the yoke. Guess what happens after they're both locked in and yoked together? One of them can't just decide, I'm gonna go to the pond and the other one say, I'm going to the barn. They are now in lockstep. They're now walking together. They now will take all of their steps together and I have a Jesus who while I'm in a tough place in life, 
said, would you yoke with me? Would you take my yoke? How am I even gonna make it? He's saying, just come stand beside me, Greg. There won't be a step you take that I'm not taking it with you. There won't be a battle you face that I'm not facing it with you. There won't be one thing you go through, but I'm going through it with you. I'm telling somebody in this room, you're not alone on your journey. You're not by yourself with what you're walking through. You're not by yourself with what you're facing. Not if you take him up on his offer. He said if you're overburdened, if you worked yourself to exhaustion and you don't know how you're gonna make it, he said, I have a plan. Come link up with me. That's, that's what you call linking up. That's covenant. That's connected. That's locked in together. Amen. I stayed out for just a couple moments before I walked in, but I heard y'all singing when you go through the waters, when you go through the fire, I think y'all sang that song to open the service. That verse, he said, I will be with you. He's saying, wherever you walk through, whatever fire, flood, storm you walk through, if you're covenant with me, we're gonna go through it together. So that just encouraged me so much all by itself is I'm not alone in this journey. I am not facing this. I'm not trying to raise my children by myself. I'm not trying to face, and you're not trying to face the challenges of life by yourself. You're on one side and he's on the other. And, and y'all aren't just casually there. I mean, I, I can come stand by my friend right here and you can say, well, yeah, they're sitting by each other. They're but if I decide to walk off, I can just walk off. But they can't just walk off in that picture because they're covenanted together. They're linked together. They're locked together. Jesus is saying, I want to be in lockstep with you. What is it that you're walking through? What is it that's in your journey? I want to be in covenant with you. That would be awesome all by itself. That would be amazing if that's all a yoke did was say, I'm tied to Jesus. I'm connected to Jesus. I can't leave him and he can't leave me. We're together. I love that. But that's only part of the story. The other part of the definition, it says it's not only a wooden cross piece that connects, joins two to each other, but part of the definition says it also, I want to read it like it says, it attaches to the plow or the cart that they are to pull. That ring is heavy. It's a heavy metal pin that goes through, kind of like a spike that goes through the yoke. It's heavy, thick metal ring that you can tie a leather strap or a rope something to a bar that would connect back to the plow or to the cart. That's built into the yoke. So Jesus is not only saying when he said, take my yoke upon you, he's not only saying I want to stand beside you, but he's saying anything, somebody hear me, anything that you have to carry, anything that's part of your journey, you're no longer going to be pulling that by yourself. Now it's me and you. Now it's the synergy. Now God Almighty and you are in this journey together. Honey, I'll take that offer all day long, every day. Little me and Almighty God who's never lost a battle. Little me and Almighty God who has all power. He's saying, yoke with me. I'll help you carry your burdens. Now, Paul, he taught, let me look up here to give you the exact references. I believe they'll put it on the screen. Paul talked in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He made a statement. Now, I'm not about to teach on relationships and who you date and who you marry. Don't worry about all that. But Paul said, be not 
somebody help me read this, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But he used this term. Pastor, I'll let you teach somewhere in the future on what unequally yoked means. He was just teaching. Be careful if you're a believer with your relationships with unbelievers. He don't have to teach on it. It's that simple. Just be careful. Love them, reach them, but be careful. But that term is used, sis, unequally yoked. I met a gentleman not far from Gina, Louisiana, an elder that his barn is more kind of a little museum collector. He, he likes to collect stuff that he gets at auctions and different places and cool equipment. And he has in his barn a yoke that he bought at an auction and he didn't really understand it. He just said it was a yoke that looked messed up. He said it hangs a little bit crooked and the pieces aren't the same. And he said he bought it and then somebody explained it to him, said, well, elder, they said that that yoke is an unequal yoke. It was rigged up. They, they, they have yokes that are unequal and you can study it. It's, it's, there may be an older mature oxen that was going to help train a younger oxen. It could be a larger oxen with a different size oxen. And he said they could rig them up a little different where if you just looked at the yoke and they rigged them up where the, the mature oxen could carry most of the weight and could take the lead. I don't know how it all works, but he said, Brother Greg, I have hanging in my barn. He gave me some pictures. I have hanging in my barn an unequal yoke it's a little uneven it's a little out of kilter he said but that's what it's called is an unequal yoke so the mature strong oxen could train the younger oxen and I got to thinking about that Paul may have said we've got to be careful in relationships in this life and be not unequally yoked but I've decided and I receive it I've decided that when Jesus stood by me and said, Greg, take my yoke upon you. And I stepped in the other side and said, God, I've got a lot. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it all. But God, I'm going to take your yoke upon me. I'm going to covenant with you. I, I came to the understanding. It's the most unequal yoke there's ever been. There's never been a yoke this unequal. Amen. Here I am, little me, without any power and without any understanding and without any strength. But guess who my partner is? Amen. My partner's my Jesus. And he's helping in the journey. He's helping in the journey. So I tried to find a picture of oxen to help me explain how unequal this yoke is. And I couldn't find it. All right? But I did find a picture that kind of helps explain how I feel about me and Jesus in this relationship. And y'all see why I'm grinning in a minute. Can we get that next picture? Is it possible to put that next picture on the screen? All right. And it's okay to giggle a little bit. I know, I know a yoke is not for horses. <laughs> to be honest, that little white Shetland pony is a lot cuter than I am, but I'm letting it represent that's how unequal it feels to me. How's that little fella even going to move the pile or the burden or the weight? I feel like that little fella sometimes. But Jesus, I know we don't have scripture for it, Sister Jessica, but there's been times I've said, Jesus, you're my Clydesdale. Amen. You're the one on the other side of this yoke. You're the one that's locked in with me. Uh, folks, that's the offer that we get. Our Jesus says, can I stand beside you? I want to help carry your burden. I want to help you navigate the journey of life. I want you to know you're not in this all by yourself. Amen. You may feel weak. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel overloaded but God Almighty stands beside you God Almighty stands beside you. hallelujah hallelujah I close I want to share something with you I only find one other scripture in the entire Bible 
that has the word yoke and burden in the same verse. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My burden is light. But back in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, there was a word spoken. God was going to deliver his people from the Assyrian king in this specific case. But I believe it's a word that can apply to what the enemy does in our life. But the word came and this is what it said. It shall come to pass that he is talking about the enemy king that was coming against Israel. It said that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke, there's that word, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. His burden. I began this message by saying I will only carry what God wants me to carry. I believe in the next few moments there's going to be two different waves of the Holy Ghost come in this place. And I believe one of the waves that's going to come is God's going to say anything hell's tried to put on you, I'm about to take it off. Amen. He said his burden shall be taken away and his yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. As much as God says, let's do it my way, the devil seems to come along and say, I want to overburden you and I want to bring pain and discouragement to your life. And the devil tries to yoke up with us. Amen. But I've decided I don't want anything about his way. I don't want anything of the burdens of this life that I'm not supposed to carry. I'm going to do it God's way. So instead of having any burdens from the enemy and instead of being yoked up to the enemy, I want those burdens lifted and that yoke destroyed. Devil, I'm not anywhere connected to you. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to go stand beside my Jesus and I'm going to say, Lord, I take you up on that offer. I'll take your yoke upon me and I want to walk your way. Would you stand? with me tonight. Jesus, I honor you in this place. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, The service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.